Welcome back to Archiving AK and the seventh installment of our National Archives Month series. If this is your first time joining us, the podcast is a production of the UAA APU Consortium Library Archives and Special Collections at the University of Alaska Anchorage, hosted by me, archivist Gwen Higgins, and head of the archives, Arlene Schmuland. This episode is an interview with Nancy Yetten and Andrea Florsheimer from Chugachmute Heritage Preservation, which preserves the cultures, languages, and histories of the native peoples of the Chugach region. Nancy and Andrea discuss building an archive from the ground up and some of the projects they are working on. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and um, Chugachmute as an organization. Okay. We Nancy Yetten from Nenwalik. I'm, uh, I was born here. I left when I was eight years old, returned when I was 21. I am a grandmother of uh, 10, a great grandmother of eight. Um, working for Chugachmute. Uh, I started working, I've worked with Chugachmute way long time ago when it was called North Pacific Rim. And then in 2013, um, there was a Chugachmute employee that came to ask me to take part of this team on the heritage team to work to develop curriculum. And my first response was, you know, I have no um, experience with developing curriculum I don't think this is for me. And so she listened to me, but she kept on bothering and bothering. And finally I said, okay, I'll join. And when I started uh, working on these developing lessons for the heritage kit, I knew I was way over my head because this stuff was just like, this is totally beyond me. But you know, the, the lady that asked me kept on saying, no, you can do this. I know you can do this. Um, I did eventually leave that job because it was way too much sitting down, seven and a half hours in front of a computer of creating lessons, researching to create those lessons was just way totally beyond me. I was used to being out, you know, getting outside and doing things. So I finally left the job and then uh, was asked to return again. And so I did. And I am so very, very happy to be part of this team. It's an amazing group of people to work with. And what I've seen in the last year is um, a lot of growth in our build, our program. Um, and I realized how much I love uh, learning more about our, our heritage, our culture, our language that's tied into the Chugach region. And to be able to share that with um, schools, to share that with community people, it's, it's a beautiful journey. It's a journey of, um, you know, discovering history, history, history of how people came to be. And uh, I, I just love uh, working with this program and working with Chugach Mute. Next. Thank you, Nancy. Um, hi, I'm Andrea, and I am the archivist for the Chugachmi Heritage Preservation Department. And Chugachmi is a pretty large organization. It serves 
seven communities, uh, Nanwalik, Borgram, Chiniga, Tetitlik, and the tribal communities of Valdez, Seward, and Cordoba. Um, as Nancy shared, our heritage department has grown significantly in the past two years. Uh, about two years ago, I think there were maybe you know, eight or nine of us, and now we're, what, maybe 20 people? Um, and we're, we have three different departments. One is in language, and we have a team of six student language teachers who work with students in the classroom uh, to teach six student. We also have the culture team, which Nancy's a part of, um, and that team develops lesson plans and works with elders to incorporate their knowledge into the lesson plans to be used in schools throughout the region. And then we also have the archive project, which I'm a part of, and is definitely the smallest uh, project within, within the uh, department. Um, but we're working to organize all of the materials that have been collected through past grants to digitize them and make them accessible, and also to work with uh, uh, other team members and make sure that they have everything they need and to support their, their work. Great, great. It sounds like a really great, both of you, really great programs that you're that you're working on. I guess Andrea and Nancy as well. Um, how did you become interested in archives and kind of what path did you take to to get into this position? Well, I've always loved history. Um, since high school, I remember loving my history class and in college, I majored in history. But I went to college in New York City. And I think after spending a couple of years in New York, when my senior year rolled around and I needed to pick a research topic, a part of me was sort of drawn to the exact opposite of New York after living there for three years. So I stumbled across a project jukebox when I was looking for oral history collections in Alaska. And there's a judge's collection of oral history recordings and listening to them describe trying to resolve conflicts around kitchen tables with community members <laughs> just captured me. Um, I got funding to come to Alaska in January of 2019. And I went to the UAF Rasmussen Library, and it happened to be negative 40 when I was there. <laughs> and it was just the most wild experience uh, to be in Alaska, um, which was so different from anything I knew, but listening to stories about people who, in really difficult circumstances, were trying to make the best of it, and in some ways succeeding tremendously. And after that, I think I just felt this pull to spend more time learning about Alaskan history. So I moved to Alaska after I graduated and found my way to Chugachniut and was hired as an administrative coordinator. And when the department decided to create an archivist position, uh, my managers encouraged me to apply and I applied and I'm here and I absolutely love it. It's been a wild ride, but one of the things that I love about my job is I'm learning new things every day about Alaskan history and then also about archives and and the complicated decisions that go that factor into creating a space um, where history can be accessible. We are so happy to have Andrea with us. Believe me, you that uh, the archivist 
for the archive site is just a beautiful site to uh, to look at digitized uh, material that we have either worked on, pictures that we have taken, or photos that are from so long ago that the Chugach region or the communities now have access to be able to see a lot of their historical pictures um, that is centralized rather than wondering where everything is because uh, that's the thing is in the past, we've had to search high and low to get information from various places. Now we have our own archivist who creates this beautiful website with all this information. Um, and I'm so, you know, many of us are so very thankful to have Andrea. She's so young and so eager to want to help create this amazing website. Uh, and I did have an interest in history as well. I remember as a, a child reading about the history of the world, I was just astounded on the history in itself because I was very lucky. I left the village at eight. My stepfather was in the army. So I left this village as a speaker um, and ended up returning back at 21, not being a speaker. My mother was not from here. My mother was from Nanilchik. She was raised in an orphanage. So we didn't have language. We didn't have culture. It wasn't until I returned back to the village that I realized that there was a lot of history here. And I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. The first thing I saw that was a piece of history was I was reunited with my biological father here. He had children and one of his uh, daughters, I think she was about three, three years old. She had found a seal oil lamp that fit in the palm of her hand. So she's showing it to me and I'm just like, okay. I said, well, what is it? You know, and they're going, it's a seal oil lamp. And I was like, and what does it do? And they said, well, they used it a long time ago. I said, for what? And then they explained. And then I was like, hmm, okay, that's kind of interesting, but still didn't know because I grew up without language, without culture, without really any identity. And so with this uh, program, it's helped me as a community member to realize the native side, what that meant, the history behind it. And uh, by doing this work, you can get a really good handle of the Chugach region, how the people came to be and the classes that we're taking with it. Um, so that's, you know, I, that was my draw was the historical side of uh, Nunwalik and many of the coastal communities. So just love the archives a uh, bit about it and being able to share that in our lessons. It's great. Yeah, that sounds really amazing. So you guys are working on establishing the archives from scratch. What has the process been like and um, what have been some of the challenges you've run across? The process have, has been exciting, rewarding, frustrating, all at all at different moments. It sort of depends on the day. Um, it's definitely been very challenging. Uh, I think the part that's most challenging for me is it feels like there's so much that needs to be done and all of it is extremely necessary. 
but you have to pick what comes first. And in doing that, it always feels like you're neglecting something in order to get some other component done. Uh, our audio video materials are definitely the most sensitive materials in the collection. So we prioritize that by hiring a contractor in Anchorage who is working on digitizing our cassette tapes, VHS tapes, CDs, DVDs. Um, and then for the rest of it, we're doing as much as we can to uh, create backup copies of those few audio and video materials that we do have digital copies of. And then also trying to you know, organize our paper materials, books, and physical objects and separate them so that we can properly care for each different format and material. Another challenge has been both simultaneously working on the materials that were collected many years ago, and then also making sure that we're responding to the present moment and the needs of the present moment. Uh, we're living in a really wild time right now, um, but it's hard to uh, document the present when there's so much in the past that is highly sensitive and needs to be cared for urgently. Um, it's also can be difficult when people come to us with donations, when they're really excited about what we're doing and what we're working on and having to kind of grapple with the, you know, being there in the present moment and accepting a donation or wanting to accept a donation but also recognizing our own limitations and capabilities as we're developing an archive right now. I can't imagine what Andrea is going through, you know, cause we're all so remote. Uh, if, if we were meeting face-to-face uh, -face, then we'd have a better understanding of what she's struggling with or has mm -hmm. those struggles with, but we totally see the amazing things that she's putting on uh, on the website and the things that are being shared from the community. Yeah, I totally appreciate the fact, I mean, this is years and years of all that material just sitting there, but because this program was already starting, the, the roots of it started back in, I believe, I wanna say 95, 96, 97, things started progressing then. From there, it just went on. And so all this material we created so much material in the past for these heritage kits and they sat in the offices up in Anchorage. So what do you do with all that stuff? So it's nice that finally we have an archivist that can doc have these documentations of all this stuff that's been sitting there gathering dust for years. And one of the amazing parts, Nancy, that you reminded me of is when we're digitizing materials, in some ways it feels like we're discovering it for the first time, even though people have listened to it in the past, you know, when no one's listened to it for many, many years or forgotten that it existed, it feels like a new discovery. And for Chugachmut and specifically our department that can come with um, some very emotional moments. For example, we have someone in the archive uh, who wrote and spoke prolifically in Sukstun and when we digitize you know, her recordings or we come across something she created, I can share it with my coworker who's her daughter. And there's that personal connection um, where you know, the materials we're digitizing and working with aren't just regionally significant or very significant to the region's history and um, the tribe's history, but also personally significant to people who we know and work with every day. Oh, that's amazing. 
just being able to have those connections to the past. So you addressed this a little bit. What types of materials will be in the archives? Um, will it be organizational records, um, materials from members of the communities you serve, a mixture of the two? Well, you know, it's it's like I stated, all the things that uh, Andrea, the materials that she has taken from many of us from the communities are photos or recordings, such as she has said, and also from our um, photos that we create our lessons. So I, you know, I like to take photos of uh, right now, I was working on gathering plants to eat as a, a curriculum to revise. And we have, we insert into these lessons, um, the cultural aspects, uh, the elder quotes, the language of the Chugach region, and also photos. And so a lot of those photos, Andrea has taken, digitized and attached to the archives. You know, and these are, I, I, at first I didn't think too much of it. And I thought, no, I think that's really important because, you know, the changes are coming. We see changes shifting, coming and if we don't document a lot of these, uh, this information, then, you know, my great grandchildren in the future may not have this beautiful luxury, luxurious photo that I have as my background. They may not be, be able to gather from the land and the water, but at least there's a site that they can go look at and say, oh, this is what they did during those times or for anybody, you know, I, I, uh, the materials, like I say, and Andrea is doing such an amazing job. I know she must get really overwhelmed at times because this is a big project. I mean, what is happening in that department is unreal. 3D printing. I mean, a, a, an actual uh, place that houses all this information. Finally, culture and language is documented and centralized for the Chugach region. It's a wonderful, beautiful event. I cannot wait for the communities to see what this is really like. I mean, they're just catching a flavor of it, but to, to see what is all gonna be provided in this building, that building is going to be, I mean, the office space is gonna be astounding. It's huge and it's gonna be beautiful. Well, Nancy's not really giving herself um, the credit she deserves <laughs> um, because a lot of the materials in the archive, in fact, the vast majority have been collected over the years by local cultural coordinators like Nancy and um, LCCs at other communities. So a lot of it has to do with uh, the culture kits, um, like Nancy's working on gathering plants to eat and through working with elders, taking photographs, um, creating lesson plans, all of that comes with accompanying materials. And a lot of those you know, were physical in the past. And so we ended up with physical materials for each of the kits. Um, but now they're turning digital and Nancy's done interviews. Um, LCCs at all of the communities have done a significant number of interviews. And this is only the current generation who has been working on these things. We also have the past generations of uh, you know, Chugashmi and staff members and communities who have created these historical records as part of their curriculum development. And another big component for the archive is language materials, um, especially the materials that were developed in 2009, 2010. 
many of those recordings are entirely in Sukhstun, uh, sometimes from fluent speakers who are no longer with us, which make those recordings extremely valuable um, for a lot of reasons. So the language materials, the culture kit materials, a lot of that's in the archive. We also have an exciting project that we're working on right now, which is to uh, use our budget revision to acquire new works of art for the culture kits. And we're especially excited about this because while we're focusing a lot on documenting the past and making sure that voices from the past will be heard in the present and continue to be heard in the future, it's also really exciting to recognize how much knowledge is in the communities at this very moment. And I think one of the reasons we're excited about commissioning art and purchasing art for the heritage kits is that we're able to work with the elders right now and sort of address that present moment and document it uh, so that those types of materials and the knowledge and the process behind how this art is created will also be saved and heard years from now. That's so that's just so amazing. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of really great culture being preserved in in this in this archive, and it's going to be accessible to the people whose whose culture it is, and whose language it is, and whose history it is. And yeah, it's always um, kind of a, a balance that you have to to strike between making accessible what you've already got archive and then collecting new things, you know, that reflect the present because of course the present right now will be history tomorrow. And the, the beauty of it too is that, um, you know, we're taking this class at with APU, Hollis Miller is our instructor and it's on, uh, prehistory and the one thing that sticks to me is I, I really have developed a love for the Ocean Bay people and one of the comments that was made was they brought with them the old world into the new world and I, I like that that concept that kind of what the uh, the Chugach Mute Heritage Department is doing is making sure that old world doesn't get forgotten that we continue to perpetuate some of it in some way. And what is left is culture and language. And so that, you know, we can walk forward with that. It can be housed someplace where it's not gonna be forgotten, that it's always gonna be accessible to the Chugach region and to people. So um, yes, I, I love that whole concept of being able to walk forward with that old stuff. How do you envision the material that's in the archives being used in the future? I really think that a lot of that, uh, all that information will be used by communities, uh, whether it's through their council, whether it's through their schools or students or anybody having that access to be able to look and see what's available, you know, to be able to uh, research and find information regarding uh, the Chugach region and the historical part of it. Um, I see a lot of schools, hopefully, you know, using that information because, you know, we refer to a lot of that information in our lessons, you know, all that historical pieces, 
are weaved into those lessons that we're developing. So um, as long as those heritage kits are used and that site is available, I think that, you know, creates that door of opportunity for anybody that wants to enhance language, whether you want to research and know more about people in the Chugach region, you know, you've got that opportunity with this uh, archive site. Yeah, thank you, Nancy. And, and just to build on that, as Nancy alluded to, um, this is definitely an archive that's meant to be hands-on. We're, we're not the type of organization that's going to put things behind glass and say, no, don't touch, don't ever touch. <laughs> the whole point of the archive and the kits is for people to directly engage and to be able to check out materials from the archive and we can ship it to the schools, communities, local museums, and uh, for folks to uh, use and see and share everything that ends up in the archive. Uh, for Chugashvian while also, you know, doing our best to make sure those items are safely handled so that they can be enjoyed by, by the next group. But I think that's something that everyone's very passionate about in our department is access and creating, you know, especially for the LCCs, lesson plans that are inspiring and inspire the kids to want to learn more and want to engage with the archive. And Another way that uh, we're hoping the archive can be used is as an access point for artifacts and records that have ended up at other museums and archives outside of, outside of the region or even outside of Alaska. Um, a lot of museums in, you know, on the East Coast, in Germany, in the United Kingdom have items that are from the Chugach region. And something that we consistently hear from community members is the sense of loss that those items are not accessible to them and that that history is not being shared and discussed enough. And so one of the things we're hoping to do after we get our own affairs in state is to have our archive be an access point to explore those artifacts at other museums and to work with elders in the region as well to close the knowledge gaps. A lot of the curators have knowledge about, you know, what the item is, the date, the material, but they're missing out on the cultural knowledge associated with that artifact. And the elders in the Chugach region have that knowledge. So we're very excited to work with uh, museum curators to fill in the gaps and to make those items accessible to the inheritors today. Sounds like a great way for people in those communities to really yeah, have a hands-on experience with their with their culture and connect with it in a really in a really strong way. Now, Nancy, Andrea mentioned a project you are working on with a museum in Berlin. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that project? Oh my gosh, talking about amazing and history uh, has been it's been so astounding to take part of this and I'm so glad, you know, I can't say enough about Andrea and what she's doing and um, invited me to join along with the Berlin Museum Group that, cause she's working so closely with them to have that opportunity to see some of the items that they have of the Chugach region. It's just profound, so profound that it has inspired me to do something, and I just shared this this morning with our group, Andrea, um, is that 
because of the Berlin Museum, they have shown us some of the items that they do have on hand. And one of the things that they did show was uh, a needle made from bone. Well, I have been so intrigued by this that I, I've been holding on to a swan bone, leg bone for a long time. I am going to make, I'm going to attempt to make a needle with this bone. So this bone started out this big. Actually, it had a little bit more on the end. I had my partner saw it off. Though that I don't think that's how our ancestors did it, but uh, he sawed it off. And then I went ahead and broke it into pieces until I found a piece that had the perfect point on it that it is uh, like a needle at the very end of it. So the Berlin Museum and many of these museums have items that can be full of inspiration for those of us that are just so intrigued by little items such as that needle. So I'm hoping for my final assignment that I have a needle, a sewing pouch ready for, for that. So that's because of, uh, because of this relationship with the Berlin Museum that it inspired you know, me to think about and also the history class that we're taking that really made me intrigued enough to want to attempt to do, to recreate, replicate something a simple tool that was so, it was a powerful tool for a woman or a man to have. It was a tool that they needed to have with them in their travels, that a man even had his own personal sewing kit. I mean, those Ocean Bay people, they got my heart. I fell in love with them the more we talked about them. And I thought, oh my goodness, how about it? To, to be inspired. And I think that uh, many of us as human beings all need to be inspired by our past, our history, all that history and the evolution of how we came to be is just amazing. And I love, I just love this journey of um, these museums and all the items we get to see because it really triggers many memories for a lot of the older people. And we don't have very many of those old people left now but it, it triggers a memory and they will start telling a story. And, you know, you can close your eyes and you can take a stroll with them because they will get into detail about it. So that, yes, the museums are amazing to be part of. I, I absolutely head over heels for those museums. And community members, I was amazed. I called this morning to see if many of them are going to make the tour and they're going, yes, yes. I said, well, you better get your RSVP in because we're doing our first tour Thursday morning. So yes, these museums are amazing. Wow, and is this a tour of, of one of the museums? It's a virtual tour that we're going to do with the Burke Museum, I believe, right, Andrea? Oh, cool, cool. So. Yeah, that's really neat that they'll be able to see those objects without having to, to go all the way there. How cool. And we had an internal brainstorming uh, session um, where we talked about after, after meeting with uh, folks from the museum in Berlin and also folks from uh, the Harvard Meta Lab who are also collaborating on this project and thinking about what digital repatriation can look like. Uh, we met internally to 
discuss, you know, where do we be begin? What's the first group of artifacts that we're going to have in elders luncheon around for folks to discuss and, and share their knowledge about these items uses. And the really brilliant idea that uh, Nancy and our newly hired uh, assistant archivist Don Randazzo uh, proposed was for it to be grouped around theme. So, you know, one session could be masks and another session could be tools. And the curators at the Berlin Museum would share the artifacts that they had in their collection relating to that theme. But community members could also bring items in their house or from the local repository that also pertains to that theme. And to see how items that were made hundreds of years ago and are not even in the state, might be on the other side of the world, are directly connected to the items that are you know, in their kitchen. Um, and I thought that was an absolutely brilliant idea. And I think we're all very excited to work with uh, our partners and also the other organizations who are already doing really important work in this area, like the Alutic Museum out in Kodiak in Chugach, Alaska. There are a lot of organizations in Alaska that are thinking about making items, especially now that we're all in this digital era together, um, making items that are around the world accessible to the people who they belong to. Uh, how cool. You, you mentioned the word um, digital repatriation. That's a concept that's getting talked about more and more. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? What are the kinds of things that you guys are doing? How are you going to share those items that are digitally repatriated? Well, I, I think I want to start off by saying uh, that we are very much students in this area. <laughs> you know, the archive is, I think, just hit a year. We're a year old, um, so we're we're learning about this whole process. Uh, Chugach, Alaska has worked extensively with the Berlin Museum, and physical items have actually been repatriated back to Alaska and are in Chugach, Alaska's possession now. Uh, we were invited to join this project because we have the capabilities right now to be able to share items digitally. And so in that way, there's nothing to stop us right now. We don't need to wait until we have a facility to safely care for items. We don't need to figure out, you know, where things are going to be shipped and what safely shipping these items might look like. We have the ability to share things digitally right now. And we also have elders who have worked with our staff extensively who have knowledge about these materials and their cultural significance. And so merging those together in ways to close the gaps in the metadata for each of these artifacts and to make sure that for each individual record, the knowledge that folks have here in Alaska in the Chugach region is documented as a part of that, that item's history and that item's significance and, and all the all the information that someone would need when they look at that item, they would be able to see it and see the information and the stories that the elders have about that item. So I think all of those are, are ways that we're thinking about digital repatriation, but I'm curious to hear what Nancy, what Nancy thinks as well. No, you don't ask me about things like that. I, I think it'd be wonderful to take part of that. It would be the first time I think I've actually taken part of that and to the community, you know, it'd be wonderful to have community members to be able to sit and watch us and be part of 
And there is such a big interest now in our, our uh, Chuyash region with communities. I think we've well prepped our elders in the community by hosting our quarterly meetings when you have up to 40 people that are joining you. And so I think uh, many of the community people would be very ready to be able to sit down and watch this happen. And I think it'd be kind of emotional. I know it would be emotional for me to think, you know, we could actually take part of this, even though it's in a virtual setting, but still to acknowledge and to know, you know, that piece is coming home, whether it has much significant to yourself or, you know, more powerful for communities that pertain to that piece. And that's all I got to say about that. Well, is there anything else that you guys want to share with with us and with our listeners before we wrap things up? One thing I would say is that to anybody that's listening, you know, research your history, research where you came from. It's such a, a, a beautiful piece of foundation for you to flourish from. It's amazing what you'll find out about how you came to be, you know, the history of your family system on uh, both your parents' side and, and how um, many of the historical pieces that are in museums uh, could pertain to anybody and everybody. That it not only belongs to cultured people, but it belongs to all human beings. That we all have history to make us who we are today. I'll just second Nancy's and, <laughs> and leave it at that. <laughs> I guess the one thing I would want to add is if people want to learn more or connect with us, they can go to uh, one of two websites. They can go to chugachheritageak.org to view all of the curriculums and lesson plans and materials that uh, the local cultural coordinators have worked to put together. And they can also go to chugachmeatheritagearchive.org to view our collection on an item level and yeah, we'd love to connect with more people around the state who are interested. Fantastic. And I'll have those links on the page for this episode as well on our website. And thank you so very much, Gwendolyn, for inviting us. Uh, I totally appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's really great that we could have you on. And this is just such a wonderful project. And I've really enjoyed hearing about it. And I know that all of our listeners will too. Thank you so much. Thank you to Nancy and Andrea for joining me for this conversation, and thank you for tuning in. Additional episodes of our Archives Month series and the first season of Archiving AK can be found on our website. For updates on new episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice or follow us on Twitter and Facebook.